Thanks for joining us for this episode in SIFMA's podcast series. I'm Peter Matheson, and I'm Managing Director of International Policy and Advocacy at SIFMA. We're here today to answer the question as to why international trade and investment in financial services is crucial to US economic growth and job creation. And SIFMA's new white paper, Financial Services and Main Street, Supporting American Economic Growth and US Competitiveness, is a primer on this issue and was published in June. We developed this white paper to demonstrate the fundamental role the US financial services industry plays in the US economy and to highlight that in an increasingly competitive global economy, it is vital that financial services are integrated into the United States' international economic strategy. To discuss why cross-border financial services are so important to the whole of the US economy and the other issues set forth in the white paper, I'm pleased to be joined today by Kimberly Clayman, Director of Global Government Affairs at City, and also currently Chair of SIFMA's International Policy Committee, and by Douglas Bell, Global Trade Policy Leader at EY, and previously a Senior Trade Policy Official in Treasury, USTR, and the White House. Kimberly and Doug, welcome. Let's get started with our first question. There's a huge focus right now in the US economy on the goods producing part of it, including the manufacturing sector and its associated supply chain, and a strong desire to see those sectors rejuvenated and to grow. How do financial services fit into that picture? Let's start with you, Doug. Well, thanks, Peter, and it's great to be here. And that's a great question to start us off with. I think it's, you know, before I kind of get going on that, I think it's worth just reflecting on why is it such a major focus right now? And, you know, I think we look when we, you know, I think we're all experiencing the supply chain aspect of it. When you go to the store and you find, you know, you have the, the clerk telling you that the, your favorite mayonnaise isn't there because of supply chain issues. It's, it's really on everyone's mind. And then, and, you know, that's a function of, of, of a couple of things, right? I mean, we, we have uh, the pandemic and everything that's been going on with that and the bottlenecks that it's introduced. It's also highlighted vulnerabilities in the supply chain and concentration in manufacturing in certain uh, jurisdictions. Uh, you layer on that sort of the political and uh, economic security concerns uh, that are, you know, are, are, are out there. And you sort of have this perfect storm of you know, a, a real focus and, and, and the perceived need to really maybe make some adjustments, um, you know, where goods are manufactured, building in greater resiliency uh, uh, into, the, into supply chains. But what's really interesting, and this is the first point I really want to make, is that in that conversation, what you don't hear uh, is, you know, uh, the bottlenecks in the financial system or how the financial system, whether it's trade finance or other areas, are really contributing to sort of uh, that, that challenging environment that we're talking about. Uh, and that's really worth commenting on because that has not always been the case in the past when, you know, the financial crisis of 2008, 2009, uh, that trade finance, for example, was a real problem. So that is a testimony to sort of the, the how well-functioning the financial system uh, you know, the, the valuable, you know, regulation that's taken place, uh, and then just how well the, the, the system is serving. So if financial services are not part of the problem, is the financial system part of the solution? And I think the answer there is a definite yes. Um, and I think that, that that solution takes a couple of different forms. Um, you know, first and foremost is, you know, well-functioning uh, mm -hmm. capital markets, 
to really, and you know, financial intermediation to really address um, you know the needs uh, you know that that you know the focus on manufacturing and supply chain. Um, you know these things aren't going to you know, um, uh, you know happen by themselves. Um, they're not necessarily self-funding. Uh, so firms are really going to, you know, need to sort of, um, you know, if a building back better means accessing funds, uh, you know, through capital markets or banking, uh, and there really is, a, you know, a, 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 a real uh, important role to play. It, it's also, and I, I think Kimberly will comment on this too, is, you know, directly, you know, through payment systems and, you know, other um, schemes that have been used um, by companies to, to, to transfer funds. Uh, the financial system has been an incredibly important part of it. So I think when you just take a step back, look at the big picture, it's pretty clear that the financial system uh, has a really important and positive role to play in the transition that we're, you know, that we're envisioning uh, in, in, in both, you know, manufacturing uh, and supply chains. Thank you, Doug. Kimberly? Thank you, Peter, and great to be here with you and Doug today. Um, I like what Doug said about, you know, let's take a step back for a second and think about the fact that financial institutions provide capital to every sector of the U.S. economy, and it's crucial to allowing firms and industries to invest and innovate, grow, and create jobs. It's important to recognize the dynamism that this capital unleashes and through investments in agriculture, manufacturing, and other service industries, the positive impact of finance multiplies and helps generate much more in terms of growth and jobs than the financial sector accounts for directly. And manufacturing is a powerful example of the importance of financial services in the supply chain and as a foundation of the whole economy. I wanna just give three examples of how the financial services industry is fundamental to US manufacturing, to its operations, and helping to employ 12 million people throughout the economy. First, the spectrum of financial services provided to manufacturers is wide ranging, including financing for research, construction of plants, production, and the supply chain to get manufactured goods to customers in the US and overseas markets. I wanna pick up on one point that Doug alluded to in his remarks, which is on trade finance. Trade finance is crucial um, in, is a crucial way in which uh, financial services firms support US manufacturers. And just to give a little detail, trade finance represents the financial instruments and products that are used by companies to facilitate international trade making it easier for importers and exporters to transact business. It's used to protect against international trade's unique inherent risks, such as currency fluctuations, political instability, issues of non-payment, or the creditworthiness of one of the parties involved. Estimates suggest it is worth around 75 billion per annum. It really demonstrates the point of how uh, important finance is uh, to manufacturing. Finally, the presence of international uh, financial industry services industry is also qualitatively important to the global success of our manufacturing base. For US manufacturing to succeed internationally, it is crucial that it has access to global finance and the expertise that goes with it. Thank you, Kimberly. We are hopefully now emerging 
from the COVID crisis, which has been with us now in the United States for around 16 or 17 months. It's affected all of us. It's affected the business community and the economy and people's everyday lives. How is the financial services industry engaged with countries and communities wrestling with the huge challenges posed by COVID? Let's direct this question to Kimberly. Thanks, Peter. This has certainly been a challenging year, year and a half for everyone. I'm really hopeful that everyone is doing well and being safe and, um, you know, and in good health. Uh, the U.S. financial services industry is fundamental to our economy, and that matters every day of the year. But the past year and a half has demonstrated particularly vividly how central to our livelihoods financial services are. Financial firms have been integral in helping our communities mitigate many of the economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. This proactive support to communities across the country has taken multiple forms and has ranged from help to individuals, to small businesses and governments. I'll highlight just a few examples. Um, financial firms have led the huge increase in social bond issuance to help respond to the crisis. These bonds have raised funds for healthcare provision, nursing homes, and various forms of support to low-income and unemployed groups. Early in the crisis, banks eliminated fees on a wide range of products and took steps to expand access to digital banking tools, such as the acceleration of the availability of contactless payment via credit cards. In fact, according to a study by a global management consulting firm, uh, between March 2019 and April 2020, overall contactless card usage in the U.S. grew by 150%. Financial services firms also administered the Paycheck Protection Program loan applications for small business owners and have been critical to intermediating a wide variety of government support measures to support individuals, firms, and the wider economy. And because capital markets and financial institutions are fundamental to saving, investment, and job creation, it will also be essential to the recovery for the COVID-19 crisis in every sector of the U.S. economy. Thank you, Kimberly. We've already discussed the focus on the composition of the recovery in terms of growth of manufacturing, growth of services, and the linkages between those, those sectors, how services, financial services in particular, contribute to the rest of the economy and help those them grow. But as we see economies recover from the COVID crisis, there is also a strong focus on the quality of economic growth, not just its quantity. And by that, one particularly important dimension will be the sustainability of the recovery from an environmental perspective. What part can financial services play in helping realise that? Let's direct that one to Doug. Right. Well, thanks, Peter. You know, I, I think I would answer, there's kind of a, a two-part answer to that. The first is a little bit of what, uh, well, not a little bit, a lot of what Kimberly's been uh, describing in terms of sort of the role of the financial system. And, you know, in terms of developing, you know, economic growth, allocating capital. Um, and, you know, when we think of the scope of what is going to be required to put, you know, the, the global economy, less carbon intensive basis, uh, it's profound. And we talked about, you know, the, the rather large scale involved in recovering from, you know, COVID and, you know, all these supply chain shocks to start us off. But th this dwarfs that. Um, if you just think of an industry just like steel and, and, you know, the critical role that it plays and, you know, what does it mean 
to have clean steel and sort of the capital investment required to do that, uh, it, you're, you're talking trillions of dollars. And so the ability to mobilize that capital, to direct that capital, uh, the financial system you know, plays that role. Uh, and so if that's to happen, the, the, the financial system is going to have to be able to do that effectively. And I think we do have that system in place, but it's going to really, you know, require, you know, all elements. So whether it's capital markets, banking, venture capital, you know, all the different cylinders of, of the financial system are going to be having to operate at full capacity. That's one aspect. The other piece, which I think is just starting to emerge and which is going to be incredibly important, is sort of the whole you know, what I would call pricing of uh, climate risk. Uh, and, you know, we started to see that, of course, in the financial markets where, you know, you now have, um, you know, big investors saying that, uh, you know, we need to look at climate risk. That's an important part of evaluation. Uh, and, you know, that is a way, you know, those types of tools and those mechanisms are really how you start to incentivize behavior. Uh, and in a way that, um, you know, goes beyond role that governments can play, for example, because, you know, the scope and the scale of, of this transition that I'm describing will have to require a huge private sector component to it. In fact, in many regards, it'll have to be, if we're to be successful, will have to be driven by the private sector. So putting in place that kind of that, that ability to sort of, you know, capture that risk, price for that risk, and use that, that to allocate capital will be incredibly important over time. Uh, and I think will be one of the, you know, the, the secrets. And so we, we see it in other aspects of well, in terms of like corporate reporting, uh, again, starting to be driven you know, out of the securities markets, but all those things are gonna play an incredibly important role. So it's not just the kind of the standard things that we look to our, for our financial system to do, which is allocate capital, but how it's allocated and on what basis and capturing risk and really ensuring that that allocation is, is done in a way that's gonna be the most um, socially beneficial, not only across the globe. So developing the developing world, and the developed economies, cross uh, economies. Thanks, Doug. We've talked a lot up until this point about the relationship between the financial services industry and the rest of the economy and the interlinkages there. I think it's very important to recognize that the US financial services industry is itself a source of huge competitive advantage to the US economy. That's reflected in a number of indicators. Those include the fact that New York is commonly regarded as the world's leading financial center, but other major cities in the US are also regarded as key financial centers. And if you look at reports that measure countries' competitiveness, the financial system is always identified as a key strength of the US economy. My question here is, does that competitive advantage in financial services translate into broader benefits for the rest of the US economy? Let's start on this one with Kimberly. Thanks, Peter. First, I think it's important to put the economic scale of the US financial system in context. Uh, US capital markets are the world's largest, accounting for 41% of global equity and 40% of global fixed income markets. Domestically, they fund 72% of US economic activity. As a result of this competitive strength, the United States has consistently run a trade surplus in financial services. 
Exports have risen steadily through the 21st century and the financial services surplus is worth $95 billion annually. The US has surpluses on financial services trade with every other G20 economy. I think that's a really important data point that crystallizes just how strong and competitive the US financial services sector really is. As the SIFMA paper points out, more US jobs are dependent on exports of financial services than are dependent on exports of motor vehicles or computers. And because we are the most competitive country in the world in financial services, over 670,000 US jobs are dependent on exports of financial services. But that's only the direct employment, that is people employed by financial institutions. And beyond that, it is estimated that 3.6 jobs are created in the rest of the, U the US economy for every one job in financial services. I should also note that the international nature of financial services also benefits the US through the 760 billion invested in the United States by foreign banks, brokers, and other institutions, which collectively employ almost 400,000 workers in the United States. The benefits of the US financial sector's presence overseas are far broader than these direct impacts that I've just described. And I think they're worth noting as well. U.S. financial institutions operating abroad introduce greater competition in those markets, increasing their efficiency and improving the quality of global investment. U.S. firms operating overseas raise the standards of financial services contributing positively to financial stability and the local economy. U.S. financial services firms are crucial in conveying U.S. values and business practices across the globe. Also, it's important to note that these overseas footprints contribute to global efforts against anti-money laundering and terrorist financing. And finally, importantly, overseas investment strengthens activities and investment at home and benefits small and medium enterprises, the next generation of small business. And we can look positively to the future. All of this, all of this described, means that the strength of the US financial services industry will continue to play a pivotal role in ensuring the future growth of our economy. Thank you, Kimberly. Doug, what's your perspective? <laughs> well, Kimberly gave a pretty good primer, so uh, uh, she didn't leave a lot on the table there. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but, the, but, I, but I think there's worth a, a couple of additional points worth, worth just quickly making. I, I think the first is, is that, you know, the, the breadth, the scope of, uh, of the U.S. financial system really makes credit available to a, a really wide swath um, of the U.S. economy. Uh, and it does it cheaply, uh, uh, competitively, uh, and transparent in, in a transparent manner uh, for the most part. So, it, you know, that has just, you know, ripple effects across the economy. Um, and let me give an specific example because it's one that's you know studied and lots of other countries have tried to, to duplicate, and and that's Silicon Valley. Um, and if you look at uh, you know the role that it's played in you know innovation in the U.S. economy, how they how it's been able to do that. And there's lots of things that go into it, of course. I mean, there's good 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 universities and a culture of entrepreneurship, and all those things are important. But inevitably, you know, when 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 countries have tried to duplicate uh, 
uh, that environment. One of the things that they have the hardest time sort of uh, duplicating is in fact the US financial services industry and its ability to fund that kind of innovation. So there's, and, and, and you know, whether it's sort of bringing the capital to bear, whether it's the specific uh, institutional structures uh, that finance that innovation, it's really hard to duplicate that. And so, you know, why I wouldn't call the financial system a, a sufficient condition, uh, you know, for that kind of innovation, it's a necessary uh, condition. And so uh, I think it's just, you know, really worth noting that, you know, when other countries are trying to sort of step up their economic growth, you know, if it's a developing countries, you know, think of the emphasis that's put on, you know, microfinancing, uh, you know, people, policymakers recognize the role that the financial system plays. A well-functioning, well-regulated market really makes a huge difference in terms of economic growth, whether it's the allocating, allocation of capital, uh, you know, whether it's ensuring that you know, contracts are, are held to, um, that people earn a fair return, all of these kind of features that we sort of tend to take for granted uh, in the United States, but really um, it, it's, the financial system is a distinctive feature in our economy and really contributes to uh, growth and as we've been discussing some of the big challenges that we face you know, going forward, whether it's you know, supply chain resiliency or dealing with climate change, again, the financial system will be a really important and critical part and solution to those challenges. Thank you, Doug. In concluding, um, I think I'd just like to draw on a couple of observations that Kimberly and Doug made. Kimberly was talking there about the trade surplus that the US has in financial services. And that's definitely one measure of the competitiveness of the U.S. financial services industry and how well it performs out there in the global economy. She also talked about the dependence of future growth on the health of the financial services industry and the contribution that it makes there. And Doug, earlier on, used the word solution, thinking about financial services and how it can solve the problems and challenges that we are confronting in our economy today. And I think those are all really important lessons and concepts. And I think for policymakers and policymakers, including here in the United States, but also elsewhere, it's very important for them as they are crafting and devising international economic strategy that they recognize the importance of the financial services industry, not just for the purposes of the industry itself, but for the benefits that it provides to the other parts of the economy and the growth that it catalyzes in manufacturing, agriculture, and other parts of the services industry. With that, I'd like to thank Kimberly and Doug for joining me today. It was a pleasure chatting with both of you. To read SIFMA's white paper and to learn more about SIFMA's work on international policy, please visit, visit www.sifma.org. <laughs>